All right, if you guys were here with us last week, we had Pastor Jeff from Bozeman as our guest speaker, and he brought us the first week of the Masterpiece series, and that was pretty cool. It was pretty shattering, I would have to say. Uh, Pastor Jeff from last week, I'll make reference to that in a little while. So, And what we learned is, uh, in Ephesians, we learned that who we were before we knew Jesus, and the state that we were in before we knew Jesus, but because of God's mercy... Through Jesus' sacrifice, we are now God's masterpiece. And we looked up that word masterpiece, and it's a poema, which actually means like a poem or a portrait, a masterpiece, a symphony we talked about, something like that. So that's who we are because God was so rich in mercy. And so today we're going to be going on to week two of Masterpiece. Now, many of you know that uh, I was in the Air Force. And uh, when you join the Air Force, you go to something called basic training. So I'm pretty sure many of you know about basic training. I've heard about basic training. And then after basic training, you find out what job you're going to do. And then you go to something called technical training or tech school. And you get more training. And then depending on what type of job you have, you might make it to your first base and receive more training. So there's a lot of training involved when you joined the Air Force, and that's what I went through. And then after I was finally done with training, they trusted me enough to work on the actual stuff, <laughs> the real systems I got to finally work on and finally perform real maintenance. And my first team chief was a guy called Andy Franklin. Great guy. Uh, I ran the field with him for about a year. He was one rank more than I was at the time. And a uh, great friend, you know, we ha- had a great relationship Um, and I ran the field with him until I was qualified to be a team chief and run my own team. And then we kind of went our separate ways. We were still friends and stuff, but he was running with other people. And eventually he got orders to go to another base, and I just kind of lost contact with him. Well, later on in my career, I started to make rank, and I became the rank of master sergeant. And for those of you that don't know, when you're a master sergeant, now you're in charge of stuff, people and resources, Uh, you're put in charge of a shop. I think the largest shop I ran was about 80 people, which is not real huge, but not real small either. And so they give you all these responsibilities and and give you this leadership stuff. Well, eventually, uh, down the road, like I made mention, uh, Andy was my team chief back in the day. He ended up getting orders back to Malmstrom Air Force Base. And so we got kind of reconnected with each other. I was a master sergeant. He had made the rank of chief master sergeant. And so if you don't know what that means, that's the highest enlisted rank that you can have. And normally that means that you're in charge of hundreds of people. And there are a few select positions as a chief that you're actually in charge of thousands of people. So it's quite a jump from a master sergeant up to a chief master sergeant. He came back to Malmstrom as a chief. Like I said, I was a master And so it was real funny, though, when people started to find out that I knew Chief Franklin when he was just an airman. And all these people wanted me to give them the inside track on what's Chief Franklin like? You know, what kind of a personality? Is he a hard guy? Is he a softy? What what kind of? And I can't tell you how many people came into my office to find out about Chief Franklin. I'm like, what what do I look like? You know, 411 here on Chief Franklin or what? You know, I mean, really, like 15 to 20 people in the first few weeks that Chief Franklin was back here, they wanted to find out what I knew because I knew Chief Franklin and when he was an airman, and so I would have the inside line on on who Chief Franklin was. (laughs) But I learned something through that experience. It's true in career, and it's also true in life, is that 
Who you're with changes who you are. Who are you with changes who you are. Before then, I was just Bob, Master Sergeant Bob Fick, you know, in charge of a shop. But now that I knew who Chief Franklin was back in the day, I was this guy that everybody wanted to talk to and get the inside track on Chief Franklin. But the Bible tells us something about who we are. The Bible tells us that I am with Christ. I don't know if you've ever thought about that phraseology before, what the Bible says, but it says that I am with Christ. And if you're a Christian, you're with Christ too. Now this concept can be uh, a little difficult to grasp at times. I think you would agree with me. Jesus is no longer walking the earth, obviously. We can't see him with our eyes. We can't touch him with our hands. And and I can't hear him with my ears. So when the Bible says that Jesus is with me, sometimes there's a little bit of a brain disconnect there because it's easy to forget that he's with me sometimes. It's easy to think that he's left me. It's easy to feel like he's nowhere to be found. But in reality, he's not. Jesus is with me. He can be found because Jesus is with me. You know, one of the names of Jesus is Emmanuel. And what does that mean? God with us, right? And we talk a lot about that around Christmas time because Jesus came to earth and dwelt among men is what the Bible says. So we really think about Jesus as Emmanuel around Christmas time. And it gives us a warm, fuzzy feeling inside, you know, thinking about all that. But really, Jesus is with us 24-7, 365. So if you're taking notes, here's another fill in the blank for you this morning. Who you're with changes who you are. That's our big idea for today. Who you're with changes who you are. If I'm with Christ... It changes who I am. And this is, was a really important principle from the beginning of Christianity for people to understand that we are with Christ. Uh, in Acts, which is a book in the New Testament, it chronicles the early stages of Christianity and the early formations of the church that we know today as the Christian church. And there's a lot of stories in Acts about how people were changed because of who they were with. Now, if you think of Peter and John, they were at the forefront in the beginning days of Christianity. And they were going around and they were healing people with leprosy and with all kinds of other physical deformities. Uh, But if you remember in the beginning of Acts that Peter had what is basically the first large sermon. He got up and spoke to the people that were gathering in Jerusalem And the Bible says that 5,000 men, not counting women and children, came to know who Jesus was that day because of what Peter was preaching and what Peter was saying to the people. Amazing. But right after that, you see, the Jewish leaders thought they had everything contained when they got rid of Jesus, right? They thought, okay, now this whole Jesus thing is going to go away. But that wasn't the case because the disciples and many of the early believers started to talk about who Jesus was. And like I said, 5,000 people became believers that day when Peter preached that message. Peter and John, soon after that, were hauled into court. And they were brought up on these charges in front of all the Jewish leaders. 
And I want to pick it up in Acts chapter 4, and I'm reading out of the NIV. And this is what we see happening with Peter and John. When they saw the courage of Peter and John in Acts 4.13, and they realized that these guys were unschooled, ordinary men. Now remember, Jesus found these guys as fishermen, right? And so they didn't have a Harvard education, I mean, they, they weren't dumb guys. I mean, I mean they, they were smart in their own right, but they were unschooled. They were unrefined. They didn't take classes on public speaking or, you know, how to uh, negotiate through the Bible. Back then, it was called the Torah in the Old Testament. They didn't know how to na- navigate through there and, and be apologetic to their faith or whatever. They were just ordinary, unschooled men. We pick it up, but they were astonished, the Jewish leaders, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. That's a key phrase right there, that these Jewish leaders knew that these unschooled ordinary men had been with Jesus. Who you're with changes who you are. Now, last week we talked about how when we've been broken, and we talked, uh, we looked at Ephesians 2 about that and talked about being dead in our sin and dead in our trespasses. And, you know, it was kind of a heavy portion of the Bible to read. But then we got to verse 4, if you remember that last week. And, and I want to pick it up at Ephesians chapter 2, starting with verse 4, where we left off last week. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ, and he seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace, expressed through his kindness to us, through Christ Jesus. So if you're taking notes here today, you might want to circle the withs, because that's what we're going to talk about. He says that we were with Christ. We are alive, raised up, seated. And each of these phrases in our English translation is actually just one word in the Greek. And I'm not even going to try to pronounce them, and they're going to be on the center screen here. Uh, They all begin with S-Y-N. So Uh, have at it, you uh, scholars that can pronounce words that are Greek. (laughs) I cannot. So we'll just refer to those as the words that we're not going to pronounce today, okay? (laughs) But the S-Y-N is a prefix. We do know that from English and grammar and language, and it's also the same in the Greek, right? And this S-Y-N is a word or a prefix that means with. In English, we use the word co so if I have a coworker, I am with that worker. We work together. We coexist together. If a co-pilot, it's not the pilot, but the co-pilot is with the pilot, right? And they work together. So that's what the word co means. And sin, S-Y-N, in the Greek is the very same prefix. And each of these words will tell us how I'm with Jesus So I want to take a look at that today in the main part of our teaching. Number one, I'm alive with Christ. And here's the first word that shall not be pronounced. 
<laughs> it's S-Y-N-E-Z, okay, I'll call it that. That's the first word that shall not be pronounced. But that means to restore to life with. I'm alive with Christ. I've been restored to life with Jesus. So I'm restored to life because Jesus was restored to life, and I'm with him. So I'm alive too. I'm alive with Jesus. I'm a part of his restoration in life as well. Like he was restored, I'm restored too. If you were with us last week, like I made mention, Jeff uh, gave us a, a shattering illustration to start off the message. <laughs> and, and Russ did the same thing down in Bozeman. Uh, Pastor Jeff actually dropped a picture right here on the floor in front of us, and Russ did the same thing too. Uh, but down in Bozeman, after the second service, uh, you know, Russ had sweeped everything up and left it in a pan. A connector from down in Bozeman took those pieces and spent several painstaking hours with epoxy putting that picture back together. Because we had talked about that as part of our message last week, that that's what Jesus does for us. He takes our broken, he takes our shattered life, and he puts it back together. And we showed you that Japanese art that you use gold and you put vases and bowls back together. But we have a picture of the vase that from last week. Boy, that looks really good, doesn't it? I know the picture's a little dark, but look at that. I mean, up close, I can see that there's some lines and stuff like that. But from a, from a distance, wow, that looks great. And you know if you use epoxy, it's, weather, or it's waterproof, so I'm sure that that pitcher would hold water once again. That's the image that we see when we are alive with Christ, that Christ takes the broken pieces and puts it back together. He restores our life just like that pitcher was restored with epoxy. If you listen to Christian music uh, for the last couple of years, or if you do at all, there's a, an artist called Matthew West. And a couple of years ago, he came out with a song um, called Mended. And I want to listen to this song here right, right, right now. We're just going to kind of take a little bit of a break from the teaching. I want you guys to listen to this song, and the words are going to be up on the screen too. So as you listen to the music, read the words about this song, Mended. When you see broken beyond repair, I see healing beyond belief. When you see too far gone, I see one step away from home. How many times can one heart break? It was never supposed to be this way. Look in the mirror, but you find someone you never thought you'd be. Nothing you could have 
Perspective, that's the word when I watched that video. Perspective. Now, obviously, Matthew West was singing from God's perspective. But many times in our lives, we see things through our perspective and we fail to realize what is God's perspective on this. And that's what I'm talking about. Who you're with changes who you are. Who you're with changes who you are. In your notes, it says this in the next fill-in. Because I'm with Jesus, my identity is restored instead of broken. My identity is restored instead of broken. You see, the enemy wants us to see ourselves as broken, not restored. And, And many times when we listen to those voices, not audible voices in your head, But when we listen to those voices in our head and in our spirit saying that we're broken, that's not true at all. We're restored. We're alive with Christ because that's what happens to us when we become a Christian. And so here's the thought that I want to have or the thought I was thinking about. Let's make a pact with one another. Stop using broken language in your life. Can you do that with me? 
All right, I, I, I'll raise my hand. I'll stop using broken language in my life as well if you, start, you stop using broken language in your life. We're restored. It's not mental gymnastics we're doing. It's true because that's what the Bible says and that's who Jesus has transformed us to be in our lives. We're restored. We are alive with Christ. So let's stop using broken language. We've been restored. That's number one. We're alive with Christ. Number two in your notes, I'm raised up with Christ. Now, it's similar, but it is different, and that's why we're talking about it. That's what it said in Ephesians. It says, I'm alive, but I'm also raised up with Christ. And here is the second word that shall not be pronounced. It's the S-Y-N-E-G word right there. It means to rouse from death with. To rouse from death with. Who roused Jesus from death? It was the Holy Spirit. That's who roused Jesus from death. We talk about that. We've talked about that a lot. The Holy Spirit rose Jesus from the dead. And because I'm with Jesus, guess what? The Holy Spirit dwells inside of me now too, right? And the Holy Spirit dwells inside of you if you're with Christ. We're filled with that same power that raised Jesus from the dead. Romans 8.11 says this, And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. It's all about the Holy Spirit living and dwelling inside of us, giving us that power. The Holy Spirit is giving me life. That's what that tells me. The Holy Spirit is giving me life to live a resurrected life because of what Jesus did. We go to Romans chapter 6. Here's a couple other verses here I want to point out. 3 and 4 and then 11 and 12. Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? So we weren't even, we're not just alive with him, but we were also dead with Jesus. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death. Why? In order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. We were dead before, and Jesus was too, but Jesus was raised from the dead, and we are too in our lives so that we can be raised with him to give us new life. And then verse 11 says this, in the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God. In Christ Jesus, therefore do not sin, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Remember, who you're with changes who you are. Because I'm with Jesus now, it's I'm living a new life instead of living in the dead sin that I lived before. I'm living a new life. And you know what? Sometimes it's easy for us to forget about that. And it's easy for us to think because we are tempted that Jesus hasn't changed us. But he has. Just because you're tempted in your life, that doesn't mean that Jesus hasn't changed you. He's changed you. We've talked about temptation and other messages here at Connect and what that means. You know, I read an article recently 
about a man who struggled with mental health and depression for many, many, many years until one day when he was worshiping and praying, the Holy Spirit spoke this word to him, restored. In that moment of worship and prayer, the Holy Spirit spoke that to him, restored. He had heard that word before. He was a Christian, but he was struggling with depression and mental health in his life. But in that moment of worship and prayer, when he heard that word restored, it spoke to him. It spoke something. And when he he heard that, he continued to listen to what the Holy Spirit was telling him. And he relied upon the Holy Spirit's power to help change him in his life. And he talked about that, how he relies on the Holy Spirit now to guide and to help him through the temptation of going back down that road of despair. But he no longer walks down that road of despair anymore. He's tempted to, but he no longer walks down that road of depression and despair because he's restored and he's listening to what the Holy Spirit is telling him. He knows he's restored and he chooses to listen to the Holy Spirit and walk down that road of recovery. So just because we experience temptation in our lives, and we may even give in to temptation once in a while, that doesn't mean that the Bible isn't true. It's a choice that we have. And sometimes I have to say I'm dead to sin, and I have to say, Jesus, I'm alive with you. That's our identity, alive and raised up with Christ. So when you're tempted... And you will be. You need to say this. Devil, I'm dead to you. And I'm alive with Jesus. Temptation, I'm dead to you. But I'm alive with Jesus. Alcohol, drugs, opiates. I'm dead to you, but I'm alive with Jesus. Pornography, I'm dead to you. But I'm alive to Jesus. Depression, I'm dead to you. But I'm alive in Jesus. I'm dead to sin but I'm alive with Jesus. So number one, I'm alive with Jesus. Number two, I'm raised up with Jesus. And then lastly, number three, I'm seated with Christ. That's what it says in Ephesians. It says, I am seated with Christ. And here's the third word that shall not be pronounced. S-Y-N-E-K. It means to take a seat with. To take a seat with. Do you ever wish that you could just sit down with Jesus and have a chat. You know, I think about that sometimes when I'm reading the Bible, the gospel accounts, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and they were just sitting with Jesus. There's something significant about sitting with Jesus. We see that a lot in the stories in those first four books of the New Testament. Luke 5, there's an account of Matthew And they're at Matthew's house. They're having a meal, Jesus is, with Matthew and his tax collector friends and many sinners. But Jesus was sitting there having a meal with them, reclining. That's what they used to do back in the day. We see Jesus at Simon's house as well with a woman who poured out a jar of very expensive perfume on his feet. Uh, And then we see the Last Supper, and that's very famous, obviously, famous painting, but we see the Last Supper where Jesus is celebrating Passover with his disciples. 
And we remember that it's there that he washed the disciples' feet and he showed them what real servant leadership was. It wasn't being in control and being in power. It was being a servant to lay down your life for your brother. And then obviously right after that last supper, he would go and do that and then be raised again by the Holy Spirit. But when we're seated, it means that we're in a stationary place. We're not moving around. We're seated. It's a place where you can be transformed by the presence of Jesus. You're not worried and and doing things and, and just flittering about the house or whatever or thinking about other things. You're seated with Jesus, and he can transform you. And that's what he did to all those people that he came in contact with. He transformed them when he was sitting down with them, sharing a meal sharing a teaching with them. It means that when we're seated with Jesus, we see things from a different perspective. No longer am I bound by my earthly vision because it says that we see things from Jesus' perspective in the heavenly realms. I can't even, my brain can't comprehend that. But the Bible says it's true. And I think I do understand it a little bit. You know, the Holy Spirit will give us clarity in our lives. The Holy Spirit gives us a different perspective in our lives. I remember how I thought before I knew Jesus, and it was all earthly human stuff I was worried about, material things I was concerned with. But when I became a Christian and I let Jesus into my life and the Holy Spirit came into my life, I saw things differently. I see things differently. I have a different perspective now. And that's what happens when we're seated with him. It's because we're with Jesus and we listen to the Holy Spirit. Remember, who you're with changes who you are. Because I'm with Jesus, I'm seeing life from his vantage point. I don't have to see life from my earthly vantage point anymore. I see it from his vantage point. I don't see it from discouragement or disappointment that living life here on earth sometimes brings to us. I mean, I'm not denying that. We feel those emotions in our lives. But the Holy Spirit helps shape us and shape our next thought after we're discouraged and disappointed. Then we see things from Jesus' vantage point. And you know what? His viewpoint is transforming. His viewpoint changes me. That's why prayer and worship is really so important in our lives. I mean, we come together and we had a cool time today of kind of a low-key, you know, laid-back kind of a worship experience and a praise experience. But, you know, you can do that every day of the week in your vehicle, driving to work, in your home, maybe cooking dinner, just put on some music. You can have that same worship time with Jesus and that same prayer time that you can here. And when we do that more often in our lives, We see things from his his viewpoint more often, and it changes me. A lot of times I say prayer changes circumstances, and it does. Don't understand how, I just know what happens. But what I do know happens is that prayer changes me, and that is truly remarkable in my life. Prayer changes us. And because we're with Jesus, we are becoming his masterpiece. Ephesians 2.10, we talked about that last week. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus 
so we can do the good things that he planned for us long ago. So let's remember that we're alive with Christ. We've been raised up with Christ and we are seated with Christ. And he's creating us, he's creating our lives to be a masterpiece so that when other people look at our lives, they say, wow, who are you with? Well, I'm with Jesus and it changes who I am because of who I'm with. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you so much for today. Thank you for this time that we can spend and and share together and take a look at your word through Ephesians, the few verses that we've been talking about. And God, I know that for many of us, sometimes it's difficult for us to comprehend that we are with you in our lives. We are alive because of you, Jesus. We're seated with you in the heavenly places and We've been raised up with you because of your sacrifice. And so sometimes our brain, there's a little bit of a disconnect there because all we see around us is this natural earthly thing. A lot of times we forget about the spiritual realm that we are connected to through the Holy Spirit. So Holy Spirit, I would just pray that you would remind us right now here this morning. Remind us of Jesus's perspective. Remind us of Jesus's viewpoint and and who we are in Christ. And I just say thank you. And now as we're bowed in his presence and we have a moment of reflection here, I I just want to offer just this invitation to you. You know, maybe you don't know who Jesus is. Maybe what I've been speaking is sounds great, but you haven't been tapped into the Holy Spirit because you've never surrendered your life and asked Jesus to change you. Well, I'm going to give you that opportunity right now to to ask Jesus to change you. So if you've never said this prayer or maybe you've said this prayer before, I I just pray that you would pray with me as I'm praying this prayer. Father God, I thank you for sending Jesus. And Jesus, I I believe that you came to this earth to live among people and that you died a criminal's death and and you rose again for me to help my relationship with the Father because there was a disconnect there. But you've now bridged the gap. Because of your sacrifice, you've bridged that gap. And I just say thank you. I know I'm a sinner and I just pray that you would take my sins away and restore me restore my broken life make me be that masterpiece that Ephesians was talking about so I surrender myself to you I say thank you and now now Holy Spirit you reside in me and you help change me from the inside out you help transform me Holy Spirit and so I just pray that you would continue to do that and help me listen to you as you're shaping and molding my life to be more like Jesus, to be this masterpiece that God is creating me to be. Thank you so much. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.